especially because it feels like someone's grabbing your throat. And again, as a guy who didn't grow up being weepy at all, there's something that's happened the older I get that just, just kills me when I'm watching stuff like that. And I don't know what it is, except for that there's something very profound in a day like this that is both this deep-seated celebration and this deep pain and this deep uh, conflict all at the same time. But today we're celebrating motherhood. We're celebrating mothers. We're celebrating the reality of the fact that this is something that God did. This is his design. And so for, for all the mothers, we want to we just welcome you here and, and just say happy Mother's Day to you. Today, our, the whole thing we're talking about is, is a description of motherhood that uh, a mom in our church came up with this line for us, pouring life into life. That's a good definition of motherhood. Um, about two years ago, I talked with you about this trippy race called the Color Run. Has anyone ever run the Color Run? Okay, awesome. Anyway, okay. I, I haven't, I've never run the Color Run. I've only done a couple of Warrior Dashes. Love to do it because this is just insane. You're running, I think, is it a 5K? 5K. You're running 5K, and as you're running, people are chucking powdered paint at you. The whole, and you're paying people for this, all right? And you go through different milestones, and this is like the purple milestone. Orange, green, and by and by the end of it, like you're just like totally full of color. And some people they just love it; they just eat it up. I mean, this is just like a massive celebration of color and vitality and light. Others, not so much. It's just kind of, it's kind of there. They're just that. But and, and other people are completely transformed by the whole experience. It's just like yeah. But regardless, everybody in this barrage of paint is impact. Everyone is covered by it. I mean, there's not, a, there's not a clean person at the end of it. Everyone, every single person is full of color. And again, that is a whole lot like motherhood. Everyone in this room, whether you're a mom or not, whether you, you, you're, you're a mom and you look back and say, man, those were wonderful years. I did, I did some good work there. Seriously, today should be about me. We are going to Red Lobster today. Bam! Or you're like, I look back and I've got so many, so much shame and so many things that I wish I could undo, things that I said that I wish I could undo. Or you're someone who wishes that you could be a mom and, and that's, never been, that's never been something that's played out. Or you're someone who, whether you're a man, man or, a, or a woman, you, you look back and you say, I've got really deep pain and wounds from my upbringing. My, my, this day is tough for me because of, of what, what my mom said to me when I was 14 years old, what my mom did to our family back then. And so today, that just like the color run, as much as everybody is impacted by it, everyone is, is, there's not a single person that walks away unscathed by the reality of motherhood. It's something that has a diverse set of responses. But we're going to celebrate the reality that this is something that God came up with. This is a reality, a reflection of him in life pouring into life. See, because when you go into the biblical account, motherhood is a key aspect of God's strategy to redeem this world. Motherhood is. See, after, after the fall, God's promise to Adam and Eve is, you are going to have kids. And through those kids, there's going to be this genealogy that's going to wind its way through history. And ultimately, it's going to lead to the Redeemer, the Savior, who's going to restore all that has been broken that would not have happened in God's strategy without Eve being a mom. The, the fact that, that throughout Scripture, you hear God described as a good shepherd. A shepherd is someone who takes care of sheep, that has a whole mess of sheep 
And when one takes off, is the one that goes after that sheep. That, 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 that as opposed to a shepherd that's just a hired hand, uh, Jesus is described as the good shepherd, the one who cares and nurtures. I don't know if there's a better description than, than that for a mom. A mom is a shepherd. And even though every single mom on planet Earth has an incredibly tall order that no one could possibly do perfectly, no one could possibly do completely effectively, and no one could possibly do to control their kids' responses, God has given them that amazing calling of being a shepherd, someone who looks after the sheep. Imperfectly, stuttering here and there, sometimes without a playbook on how to pull it off. And yet, God's given that to you. It's hard to find a passage that specifically speaks to motherhood and the value. It's all throughout Scripture as far as context, but as far as the explicit passage, it's, that's a rough go. That and fatherhood, for that example. But, but 2 Timothy 1 through 16 is an interesting one. Paul is writing this letter to this, his protege, Timothy, a guy who he's kind of been like a, like a spiritual father to. And he's writing him a letter to keep him in the game because Timothy's ready to chuck it all. Like, okay, church stuff is too hard. I can't pass through these people. There's suffering, there's persecution. We're getting hit from on the outside of the church and from the inside. I don't know what to do. And so Paul writes these two letters, the first and second Timothy to Timothy to say, keep going. And he starts the second one like this. I love this. Second Timothy chapter one, verse one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son. Okay, pause. Again, Timothy's not his kid. He just has this, he's poured into him like a father, like a spiritual father, and so he's looking at him like that. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve, as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you, in my prayers, recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I, I am persuaded now, lives also in you. He's talking to Timothy and saying, and right the next verse says, so for this reason, I remind you to fan the flame of the gift of God. This, this, he's telling Timothy, you are in a precarious situation. This is crazy tough. You want to throw in the towel. And so the thing that I want to tell you, to, 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 before I say anything else, before I lay any other instructions out, let me lay the foundation on, on this. Here's what I want you to do, Timothy, to keep going. Remember mom. I want you to remember your mom. I want you to remember your grandmother. These people, remember the faith that they had. Now, Again, there's two pourers in the outside of Paul, who again acts like a spiritual father. There's two pourers in Timothy's life, pouring life into him. The first is his biological mom, and but he also has a shaping mom. His biological mom is Eunice. Awesome, awesome name for like a like a 98 year old lady, Eunice. I love that name. That you know, just some good names like Eunice. But he also he had his mom was the one who gave birth to him, obviously. But but she also shaped him. But she wasn't alone. Eunice and Lois, his grandmother, they were also shapers. So Timothy has two people, at least, that are on the maternal side, pouring into his life, impacting who he is in Christ. Now, for some of you in here, um, one of the difficult aspects of Mother's Day is remembering that, well, I had a biological mom, but she wasn't the one that shaped me. And many of you, uh, I mean, not many of you here per se, but there, there, we have a lot of people in our church who are adopted, and they have the opportunity to realize that, you know what, I don't have a connection with my biological mom, 
but someone stepped in and was just as much a mom to me. My wife, Julie, who just sang that song. That's Julie and Ruthie um, just a couple years ago. And uh, she looks so much like Rye. It just blows me away. But, but um, that's, that's, that was her story. Julie's never had a uh, relationship or contact with her, her biological mom. Her truest mom, really, is Ruthie. Ruthie is the one who shaped her and brought her up and, and, and just this amazing, amazing uh, person who's acted in that, that role effectively in her life. But for you, who is it? Who are the poorers? Who were the poorers in your life? Who currently are the poorers in your life? If your mom is still living, is she someone who did uh, you look to as one of those people who poured life into you? If, if you have a spouse that, that is a mother, looking at that aspect, who was someone that was on the female side um, of maternal impact in your life? I really do believe that whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're married or single, whether you have kids or don't, that we have so much to learn from mothers and that, re, that amazing nurturing reality of who God is that he has bestowed into us as, as humanity. And so whether you're, again, wherever you are on the spectrum, this is something, this is a calling for you to emulate and look at what they're doing and saying, I want to be a life poorer like that. I want to see the aspects of what they did and pull that off. And I really believe that if we're going to do that, we have to take three steps, three action steps. The first two aren't mentioned in this passage, the last one is, but the first two are in in context understood. The first is this, to exhibit gratitude for the poor. The first step that we need to do is recognize, okay, who was that poorer in my life? Who, who's my mom? And, and have gratitude for this person. To actually, thanks to the, the reality of the gospel in our life, we can actually see things that other people might dis- disqualify. Like, for example, Julie could say, well, I don't know my mom, so why am I grateful for her? I mean, she didn't pour into my life like my mom did. My biological mom didn't do that. But she can actually exhibit gratitude for that original pourer as well. Here's why. Because of the gospel, that the good news of Jesus, what he's done in our life, we have a different vantage point. The gospel impacts a believer by enhancing our ability to see and respond gratefully where our old self would overlook and justify silence or resentment. It would be very, very easy, very, very easy for us to be the type of person that could have a whole bunch of reasons why Mother's Day is a day that I'm not going to make a phone call, I'm not going to send a card, I'm not going to go and, and visit, I'm, because of bam, 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 and miss the reality that our starting point as a Christian is one through the lens of the gospel to respond and see things to be grateful for that others might overlook and just chalk up as like, well, that's the reason why I have no contact. And, and here's a key thing. I need a, I need a kid volunteer. Do we have any kids in here or people that are somewhat like, okay, the kids are looking away. So I'm going to have to go with Tyler. All right, Tyler, not a kid. He's actually getting married this year, but, <laughs> but he's going to work for this. All right. Um, Tyler, you have a mom, right? Okay. All right. Awesome. Then this, you're perfect for this. Get on my back. Okay. Ugh. Okay. Last night we had a real kid. All right. Now here's the thing. Here's the number one reason, that one of the first reasons we should exhibit gratitude for the poor. Because this woman did this for you for nine months. She was the one that carried you for nine months. She ate food and you robbed her of it. You took the nutrients right away from her so that you, she could form in her body, your little body, and she did the... 
Now, here's the thing. You might say, I didn't like my mom. My mom wasn't a good mom. You know what, though? If this was all she did for you, that's enough, right? If this was the extent, if this was the end point, this is enough. Because let me just ask you this question. You might care about some people. Would you, would, you might have people care for you. Do you have anybody in your life who would carry you for nine months? Like, oh man, I'm going to die unless you carry me for nine months. Would you do it? No. Like maybe nine minutes, nine days at most, nine months, uh-uh. She walked with you. She carried you. She carried you through the summer when it was crazy hot in Illinois. And then one day, she actually brought you out of her body, which was not like a tickle. <laughs> All right, that's enough. <laughs> Thank you. It's a boy. All right. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We don't think that way oftentimes. Because we have the stories of our earliest memory on, and some of us, it's tough. <sighs> Thinking back to mom, it's really tough. Even if you had a decent relationship with your mom, those painful memories can be the things that just come to the surface. As a Christian, though, who's impacted by the gospel, we express gratitude. We look for things to be grateful for. And, if, and everyone in this room has that. Why is it that the, in, in the book of Exodus and in, in the book of Ephesians, when it re, just rephrases that whole thing of, listen, what, you know, you, we need to honor our father and mother. Why does it say we need to honor our mother without qualifying it? Honor your mother if she was a good mom. Honor your mother if she was a believing mom. Honor your mother if she didn't make a whole lot of epic fails as a mom. It doesn't say any of that. It says honor your mom and it doesn't give any qualifiers. Why? Because that woman was literally the vessel that brought you life. She was the obedient vessel that brought you into this world. And in a time when this is an option, she chose nine months to do that. We have a lot to be grateful, don't we? We do. But not only expressing gratitude, also expressing grace to the poor. Again, this is something that, again, maybe not be a worldly um, understandable thing, but, but as a Christian, we have an amazing ability to express grace to the poor. That, uh, grace, grace is that, that gift. It's like, uh, you don't deserve this completely, but I'm giving it to you anyway. And, and the, the truth is that a lot of people, all of us, have had relationships with parents where we just, again, we disqualify them from giving them what they actually, I believe, what, what's due them. That honor, that, that respect, that gratitude. The grace, expressing grace to the poor basically says this. I'm going to, instead of re, you know, visiting my history from the vantage point of a victim, I'm going to look at it through the lens of the way God has looked at me. And when God looks at me and the forgiveness that he's bestowed upon me, I recognize that he saw me in the midst of all of my stuff and loved me in spite of that. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And so what we have the ability to do then is this. The gospel doesn't make excuses for past behavior, but rather a filter to view them through. Instead of simply looking at the past as like, oh, well, you know, my friends all had really great moms, but not my mom. My friends all had, had parents who, who seemed to, to, to get things right. Why couldn't mine? We don't do that. We have an honest look at the past. We have an honest, I mean, we, we're not airbrushing it but we're choosing to look at it through the filter of grace. 
When we look at it through the filter of grace, all of a sudden things start to happen in us that, that wouldn't happen otherwise. And the first is forgiveness. We're able to actually forgive even when someone has not sought an, an apology. We're able to forgive actions even when the person who has wounded us has passed away. We can actually forgive that person. What if this Mother's Day, what if this Mother's Day you actually forgave your mom, the key poorer in your life? Maybe it was your birth mom, maybe it was your stepmom, maybe it was your grandmother. What if you forgave them? What if you gave that gift of forgiveness for that thing that you've been dragging along through life because you felt like if I let go of this, it's going to say that everything she did was okay and it wasn't okay. What if this Mother's Day you said, no, that wasn't okay. But I'm choosing to send the bitterness and angst away from that situation because he did that with me. And this is life-giving not only to me, but it is life-pouring into that person as well. What if this Mother's Day, you, okay, so uh, how many of you are getting together with family today? Okay, a lot of us. How many of uh, you are not able to, to, to be with your mom because she lives out of state or too far away, but you're making a phone call? Okay, that's me. I'm not, I, I got to make a phone call to my mom today. Um, I was the kid that would forget every single Mother's Day to make something for my mom. I was like the bad kid. And the worst thing was that it, it, it kind of heightened in junior high and high school, um, all the other kids go to Sunday school and they make things for their, their moms. And so they brought mom like presents and cards. And then there's me just going, I totally forgot. I'm, I'm sorry. And I remember my mom at like 15, 16 years old, my mom just crying. You forgot again? You forgot again? I'm like, ah. what if this, and so I'm not doing that anymore. Um, what, if, what if this Mother's Day, you actually extended this grace to this person who is a poorer in your life? Perfect? No. Chosen by God? Yes. What if you extended? And, don't, and if you're a mom, don't just be thinking about the people that could do that for you. That, that's great. But what if you did this? What if you did this with your, with your mom, with the poor in your life? And again, um, for many people, we have some deep-seated wounds from what our moms actually did. And so that, that's a key bit of forgiveness. Um, for me, uh, a big example in this is my dad. My dad um, did not have a great relationship with his mom. Uh, she was, both my grandparents were pretty rough um, verbally with my dad and my, my uncle growing up. And so he didn't, there wasn't a whole lot of nurturing mother dynamic there with Grandma Hilda. My dad had an even worse relationship with his mother-in-law, which is a shocker. But with his mother-in-law, it was even worse because he had all exhibit A, B, and C, and D of what she did to my mom. My dad looked at my grandma Jean as a person like, you wounded, you wounded my wife. Things that you said, she was the youngest of three and you treated her like this. And then when we got together, you treated us like we were scum. Now my, my, my mom's side of the family were more on the rich side and my dad's side of the family were on the poor side of town, like literally, literally across the tracks in Ontario, California from the rich neighborhood. Uh, my dad was a Christian, they were not a fan of that. Uh, my dad... Uh, was poor, not a fan of that, and he had super long hair because he was a hippie, not a fan of that either. And so they let my parents know, look, you guys are on your own. We're not, we have nothing to do with you. And then when, when grandkids came along, it kind of, same thing happened. We, we weren't, us grandkids weren't as good as the other uh, cousins. So my dad resented my grandmother. And I didn't know this. I didn't know what happened. All I could tell was whenever we would drive 
like we'd go from visiting my grandma Hilda to visiting my grandma Jean, and my dad would just get tense in the car and, and quiet. My dad doesn't get quiet. And then when you walk in the room, you could just feel the energy, just like this, like, it's like, just there's grandma Jean, and there's my dad, like, boo and like this vibe going out. Just, and, you know, my dad would do things like what, what people do when they get together with family and they're not really excited about it. He would just sit there in the room, sending the impression, I so wish I wasn't here, and I hope all of you know it. That type of thing. And my dad would do that. And it was just, I never knew what exactly what took place, but I knew that there was this massive tension between the two. I know this isn't like anyone else's family, but in my family, that was the reality. My dad kept that up year after year. And then my grandpa died. My grandma Jean's husband, he died. And I remember the Mother's Day after that. My dad goes up to my grandma Jean in the kitchen. And he said, Jean, I need to tell you something. I want to thank you. That, that could have given her a heart attack, him saying that. But that's what he said. He said, I want to thank you. He said, the way that you loved your husband, you faithfully loved him, and he wasn't easy. You gave an amazing example to Jeanette in loving me because I'm not an easy husband. And you, from your example, you poured that into her, and she picked that up, and she's doing it, and she's doing it full bloom. And I want to thank you for that, for the impact you made. My dad could have been there for hours telling her all the things that she had done wrong, all the things that were still wounding his soul. But he chose on that Mother's Day instead to be someone that's expressing grace because he's experienced grace. What if you, this Mother's Day, expressed grace? Undeserved, unmerited, but you choose as a Christian who's filtered by the gospel to find that one thing or those two things to say, hey, mom, I want to thank you for this. Whether she responds well or not, to do that, to extend that. We're someone, we're people who are expressing grace to the poor, we're exhibiting gratitude to the poor, and we're emulating the good of the poor. This is the key thing where we step into verse 5. See, Paul tells Timothy, in the the midst of the suffering that you're about to go into, in the midst of all of the reality that you're about to face, you need to remember this, that that this is is the foundation. He says, look in verse 4, recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. The word that uh, he uses in Greek right there for lived is this, this word of, it took up residence. It made its home. Paul is saying that, that something made its home inside of your mom and your grandmother that, that started to take life. And, and it's passed on. And it's passed on to you. And, and you're a recipient of that. Now, if you had a mother that, that was a believer, again, no mother is, is perfect. But if she was someone who had faith. What if you took those bits and pieces of her faith and said, I want to emulate that? Even the things that are outside of like something that's purely theological, what if you recognize some of the aspects of how she did life that were redeemable, that you want to emulate, that I want to be like that? Now again, here you might say, well, yeah, but there you go again. See, my problem is that my mom wasn't a believer. And there were some really rough aspects of her. Okay, but here's the thing that she has that you can actually still emulate. Your mom, no matter who she was, was created in the image of God. It's like divine DNA 
that even the effect of sin can't completely pollute out. Which means that all of a sudden, you have the ability, you have the ability to find things in your mom who was not a believer and say, yes, but that, that's a godly attribute. She was stubborn. Stubborn as the day, I mean, serious, but that has a redeemable factor in it. That's steadfast, that's enduring. You can look at the way that, that she conducted herself, like there, there's something faithful about her. Or, or, you know, there's aspects of patience that she exhibited, her care for others. That's the thing that I want to emulate. What is it that you can look at the poor and find that is good in your mom that you could say, that's something that I want to flesh out? Again, my mom, my mom had a rough go when she was coming into motherhood. She didn't know. My mom and my dad didn't want to have kids. Um, they were kind of part of like a zero population thing. We were like, yeah, you know, we don't want to overpopulate the world, man. And, <laughs> and then they had five. Uh, they got over that really quick. But um, back in the day, mom uh, didn't have a playbook. This is my brother Josh, and that's me and the Josh Kohler. How about that? How about that tie? Yes? The last time I wore a bow tie, 1979, booyah! That's my mom right there. Um, my mom is probably like 24, 25 years old right there. Mom, the only playbook mom had growing up was, this is what it's like to be the youngest kid that's forgotten in a, in a home of alcoholics. Um, no picture of what it looked like to show godly love, godly parenting. She didn't have a playbook for that, but she taught me. Uh, my mom taught me that this amazing amount of this person who, who grew up an atheist, um, she completely uh, boggled my mind showing the faith that she had. She was dedicated to the church. Even when the church, as a pastor's wife, even when the church was kind of ugly to my dad, she was faithful to the church. She was somebody who showed me an amazing amount of love for creativity. My dad had zero artistic and there was just nothing there as far as art in his, in his life. But my mom did, and she, she was able to encourage us in, in a way that helped us understand. And even when I got into my pre-adolescent years, when I uh, stopped wearing shirts, because <laughs> I had to show people the guns. <laughs> Look at those guns. That's a good description of my face from junior high through high school. I was a passive-aggressive kid. I made it. I didn't want, I didn't want to give my parents any, uh, any credit. I wanted to just basically just, I was a hard-hearted kid in a lot of ways. And my mom, my mom melted it because she had an amazing amount of care for us. And look, my dad was a handful, but my mom had this amazing amount of patience with us. And she loved us. She was my biological mom, my, my initial pourer. And she was also a shaper in my life. But she wasn't alone. I had my grandma Hilda. My grandma, who was not the best shaper in my dad's life, was an amazing shaper in mine. See, my grandma wasn't raised with um, believing parents either. Her, her, her upbringing was incredibly rough. And her, her parenting with my dad was incredibly rough. My dad has wounds to this day. Mother's Day is a difficult day because of, of what, some of the things my grandma Hilda said to him. But when she became a believer, something took place inside of her life where she started to pour into my brother and I. My parents were both working, and so we, we were at grandma's house a lot. And so being over there, we had a chance to, to hear from her and learn from her things that, that we would not have otherwise learned. This woman was tough as nails. She showed me a passion for God's word. Again, I've said this time and time again, but Grandma Hilda was the one who I'd wake up when I'd spend the night at her house. I'd wake up, and there's Grandma Hilda sitting in the morning with her, with her Bible and a cigarette, just She, she loved God's word, and she loved the church, even though she hated every pastor that pastored it. And she wouldn't leave the church. She said, I was here before he came. I'm going to be here when he's gone. 
tough as nails, Grandma Hilda. And I learned from that. And it wasn't just her. It was single women who, who were Sunday school teachers. It was people who were in the nurseries. And yes, you, you heard Pastor Josh talk about the nurseries in the video. I, have, I, I remember conversations when I was in the nursery and church. Totally, totally today. When you go out there, see Abby and see my wife at the table, sign up to be in the nursery because you make an impact. You literally are pouring into life. People did that in my life. People who, who impacted me from that age on, Idora, Mary Eason. When I got to Moody College, this amazing female professor, Dr. DeRose, helped me understand the amazing concept of story and the redeemable reality of story. My, my mother-in-law, Ruthie Jankowski, and watching her, these were people outside of my life who were pourers and shapers in my life. Who is that in you? What is it that, the, that these maternal figures have done? We asked a bunch of uh, NBCers to respond um, by remembering things about their mom that, that they love or things that, that they enjoy doing with their mom, and we put it together in a video. So we'd like you to just uh, take a look at this. Sometimes we go on uh, special days and go out to like um, places and go out to eat. She always um, plays with me and does stuff with me. We snuggle with her. Watch movies. We sometimes take bike rides if it's nice out. Sure. Yeah, and then we go to the park. And spend a lot of time with her. Yeah. I love spending time with her. Um, just one on one time and just going out for dinner, doing lunch, just being at her apartment, watching TV. We get to go with Blockbuster. Oh, probably. Um, <laughs> that's a good one. That's a tough one. Uh, <laughs> Next question. Okay. <laughs> I like to play board games with her. Love shopping. Um, every every summer, she always takes us shopping, like kind of like we're still in school. Just like going out to eat with her and stuff like that. I love going to the bookstore with my mom because we both like the same kind of books and like planners and things like that. It's really fun to go shopping with her. Um, we, like we kind of like shop. Sometimes we we'll, like. Watching TV together and like open someone's book or talk. Coming home and just having like either late night or early morning talks like over coffee. Yeah. Dude, the walk. <laughs> um, she cooks, but cook, cook, cooking, 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 drinks, washing dishes. Uh, she just loves to interact. She loves to make people happy, and so I love that about her. Super patient, super kind. Um, she's really good at being understanding and um, like empathetic and trying to think about like how you're feeling and then support you. And then also like she's so good at um, pointing people towards Jesus. Like no matter. You know, if it's with something great or something hard, and yeah. She makes the best blueberry pie, so we can always expect that at holidays. She's really good at... <laughs> She's created a lot. <laughs> She's created so Especially much. loving us, so loving us. Giving up on us. She's really, really good at teaching me how to bake things. She's really good at supporting all of us with what we like to do. She always puts time and effort into what we like. Really good cook again. <laughs> She's really nice. 
Uh, the fact that she brought me to church as a child, uh, the fact that she grew me in the Lord, and, and now I'm seeing that working out in my adult life and with my kids. In high school, like, she would just, like, take so much dedicated time to spend with me and um, just talk about, like, what was going on and then, like, you know, like, well, what does the Bible have to say about that? And, like, just encouraging me. Just supporting me. Well, she's really nice, and um, she buys lots of things for us when we're good. And sometimes, if I'm sad or sick, she always helps me out. She loves to help other people. She's really passionate about it, and that shows with us. She's always just been very selfless and generous with her time. Uh, what's your name? She's just so kind and generous, and um, has always kind of brought us up that way. And, and teaches my kids um, all the amazing things, you know, that God has blessed her with. She's just always showing me more love. She never talked down to me. She's never, like, gave up on me or anything like that. She just... When I needed to be loved more, she loved me more and always encouraged me to do better. Her strength um, is huge in our lives. And, oh man, <laughs> <laughs> this past year and a half, like without her, without our Heavenly Father, without family, we wouldn't be through. We wouldn't be through. And so just her, just seeing her strength pushed us through, pushed us through um, just all of our trials and all of the joy and all of the sadness, but it was our rock. Thank you, Mom. Thank you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And happy Mother's Day, Mom. Thanks, Mom. I love you. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you, Mom. beautiful things about about being a follower of Jesus is because of the gospel and its impact on us we could actually come into a day like the, today regardless of what's happened in the past and be able to say thank you mom for you could do that today and um and you need to do that and, and part of the reason you need to do that um is because of the fact that moms really need it when I was in high school my youth pastor got in front of all of us I had a dedicated youth pastor amazing pourer into my life and uh, he said, who would like some Sprite? And, I mean, he's talking to a bunch of high schoolers. We're like, yeah. I think it was probably Mountain Dew, in fact. So we were really jacked for the idea. And then he brings out all these party cups and puts them on a table in front of us. This is right at the beginning of a Bible study. And we're like, okay, this isn't Bible study, but we're getting Mountain Dew. This is good. And all of a sudden, he just starts to pour into each one of these cups. And he said, uh, come on up and get it. And everyone came up, and they grabbed the drinks, and they down. They go back to their seats. He's like, this is really cool. And he said, hey, got something. Does, does anyone want any more? 
everyone ha- everyone's hand goes up. He keeps on going out, and then everyone else came back up, and he, and he gets to the end. He's like, oh, you know, I, I don't have any more. And everyone's like, oh. And he said, yeah, I don't have any more. Uh, I'm completely empty. And he said, guys, this is me right now. I've got nothing. I've got nothing left. All of you keep taking and taking and taking. And I, I've run empty. I've got nothing left to give. And a lot of moms, one of the reasons why Mother's Day is tough, maybe one of the reasons why it's, it's a special day for them is because all throughout their life, even after the kids have left the house, they feel like they've done this. And at this point, they're empty and they're in absolute need of being refilled. If you're a follower of Jesus, make that part of your dedicated work today to emulate that and to express that. But the truth is, is that for the rest of us, all of us in this room, the gospel is, is good news for us, even if you're a mom without any playbook on how to do this and you're scared. You're scared about how to pull off what you're doing. As being, being a parent, there's good news for you. You're a single mom and you're feeling pulled apart at the seams. Because of what Jesus has done, there's good news for you. You're a mom who has made mistakes you cannot undo for you. Good news. If you're, if you're a mom who's an underappreciated mom, which, by the way, is every single mom, if you're an underappreciated mom and ready to give up and totally throw in the towel, for you, good news. If you're, a, if you're not a mom but you desperately wish you were, there's good news. If you were wounded by your mom and are having a difficult time recovering from it, there's good news. And the good news is, bottom line in one word, Jesus. Here's why he's the good news. Because no matter where you are in any one of those questions, whether you've been wounded, you're, you're, a, uh, you're someone who would love to be a mom, but you can't, uh, you, or you, you've had kids and you've made mistakes, Jesus is the hope of new beginning. He's the hope of realizing there, there's, there's new life here, and he is enough to sustain you. He is the one who reminds you that he is the ultimate shepherd who walks us and nurtures us through life. He is the one who comes into our brokenness and the shame that we have and says, yes, but that's not the end of the story. He is the one who helps each one of the moms who feels like they are spread so thin realize that he is the one who can bring them through this. And this is what you need to do. Simply go to him and say, Jesus, I need you now. Jesus, I'm scared and I need you now. Jesus, I'm broken by the shame of what I've done I don't feel like I I have any worth in in being called a mom because of some of the things I've done. I need you now. Jesus, my kids are so far away from me, and I wish that I could bring them back, but I can't. Jesus, I need you now. Lord, I'm scared for my kids. They're making some decisions that are just self-destructive. Jesus, I need you now. And if you're someone who's not a believer, if you're not a Christian... You could enter into Mother's Day engaging in the relationship for the first time that will carry you through this life and will change the way you look at every other relationship, whether you're a mom or not. Let us be the type of people who are recognizing this amazing gift that he has given us in our moms, express gratitude, grace, and emulate the good that we see in them so that we can be that person who's pouring life into everyone else. As you leave today, I want you to have a reminder it's just a reminder of pouring life into life. You could put, this is a, it's a coaster, a drink coaster, so you could use it as that. Or you could put it in your truck, you could put it on your fridge, you could put it someplace in your house, on your mirror, to remind you
that God has called into your life an amazing reality that someone has poured into you. And now you, as a follower of him, can now pour into others. Amen? Amen. Let's stand for prayer. Lord Jesus, I I pray for every single individual in here, and I I especially uh, hold up the moms. Lord, I pray that you, with these, uh, these, these women who have engaged this amazing calling you put on their life, that they will actually step into it in a profound way. Lord, um, everyone in this room, we've all made mistakes. We all wish we could go back and undo some of the things that we did or redo things better. But we can't do that. We can simply go from this point on. Thank you for being the author of hope that affords us that capability. Lord, I pray that you just bless today that it is an encouragement to every single person here that the connection that we make or that we have with our moms, that today it'll take one step further and it'll be a reflection of the gospel. And we'll give you the thanks for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Go sign up for nursery.